ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. That's what I. That's what I keep telling her. You will. You'll fit it on the front range. You'll fit in very well. Yeah. There's lots of jobs that pay well. The environment's good. Housing prices are going up, but I mean they're nowhere near what you're dealing with right now. I need. I've been trying to sell her for three years now. Come stay with us, Nassus. Spend some time, go hit the front range, go down to Denver, do some shopping, go hit See? the, you go drive around Estes, yeah. we'll show him elk, we'll show you elk, you can go do the shopping with her. Okay. The key is she needs, I think she needs to go do her thing, yeah. right? Because whenever she's with me, we're doing my thing, yeah. and that's one of the, I didn't say you mind. I go with the flow, I'm easy to please. I know, but I'm just saying just, like. Yeah, it's just you, like Allie, but. Yeah. I, mean, I think you guys would have a great time just going yeah. and hanging out together. Yeah. And I keep telling him, we need to go somewhere and spend some time there yeah. and see if we like it. It all looks good on paper. Exactly. And you can find a beautiful house on the internet, yeah. but you get there and yeah. you don't know what to expect. Yeah. What if I hate it? Yeah. yeah. What if he hates it? Yeah. yeah. I just want to live by elk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's my that's my prereq, man. That's it. That's it. I've been saying that for years. I just put me, put me somewhere where I can say, "Hey, I'm I'm on the way home. I'm gonna go glass this spot, and I'm looking at bulls. That's that's it." I've only got four B and C bulls that are hanging out around my house. That's crazy, dude. It's a, it's insane to see some of that stuff. That's bullshit. Uh-huh. Oh, he knows. Oh, I. I know he knows that, but he's envious. Yeah. Oh, big time. So, I'm this. I, I'm. I gotta. 
preface this right saying that this, no you're fine this that's why we're doing it live um this is long overdue wait i mean just the handshakes and hugs were long overdue uh so i'm sitting well ali's running away but we're sitting with uh <laughs> lauren and ali shrag uh mr and mrs goodbull so it's pretty freaking awesome to finally look you in the eyes, man. In the flesh, man. Yeah. This is crazy. Amazing. It's been, been three years now we've been talking yeah. online and yeah. just, you know, growing and learning. And, and well, you grow faster than anybody I know, but you know. <laughs> it's it slowed down a lot for us lately, but I don't know if you saw one of our posts recently. We figured out the that Instagram put a sensitive filter content. I saw that. Yeah. I, I flipped mine over. You know, and I noticed it too because um I wasn't seeing the amount of hunting content you would think I would see based on what the algorithm should be reading from me. <laughs> yeah. You know, even my like just my my views on on your photography wasn't there. I would literally have to go and see something where I'd see a post and like, how did I miss that? And then look and it's five. That was peculiar. Five days old and I'm finally seeing it. Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? I mean, I can see where a 400-inch bullet would be sensitive content for somebody who's gone 04. <laughs> There's a finger going up. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a... Uh, you know, I will say I have a standard, right? My standard kept me from it, partially kept me from it last year, and the wind did the other partial. <laughs> I'm a great hunter. I'm a bad killer. I killed two bulls back-to-back -back years, and then the third year I, I raised my standard. And I regret doing it. No, that's my... I, I don't know if you know this, but elk meat is actually good. Yeah. <laughs> Lauren came up with jokes today. Oh. Yeah. Oh, the wife got jokes, too. Hey, I'm going to keep chasing. You're going to keep spending. I, I, know you, I know you get venison in the freezer, though. Oh, I got... buck you got I, last Yeah, I got plenty of venison. And, and you, you're not chasing the, the velvet bucks in A-Zone this year? No. Opted out. I, you know what, and and it was me being more cognizant of my time before September in regards to my wife. Um, that was the majority of it. And I, last year, the heat was just the heat and the pigs killed that hunt, right? I mean, we we saw two bucks in three weeks last season, whereas we would go in years prior and we would see bachelor groups of eight to twelve every single outing and it's just a matter of getting on them in that open country yeah. and and we were seeing 30 40 pigs in a glassing session um i think in that three-week period we had something like 200 to 250 pigs cross our glass well you know i think bacon tastes pretty good too I, and, 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 I've, and I've actually killed my my dad's killed some hogs down there in Southern California. He was stationed at, at uh, yeah, you told at me Vandenberg, right? So the, yeah, he's he's brought a few of the hogs home, and they taste good. The problem the problem that we have when you're chasing those bucks in that country is going after the pigs with archery equipment. If you go through the wrong draw or drainage, you blow your bucks out. And sitting there in 110, 115 degrees, you just wiped away that entire weekend, right? That's a weekend warrior trips for us. Oh, yeah. Right. So we're up Friday. You know, we get there, I don't know, Friday midnight to 2 a.m. And then leave Sunday. What would I usually get home Sunday 4 or 5? So we're leaving like midday. Beat, beat, like beat. Um, so, yeah, there's a, everybody goes, well, why didn't you just kill pig? It's not worth it's not worth that tag. And then when you see that monster you've been chasing for four years, 
bound away because uh, you want to switch focus and get on a pig, you're oh, done. Hurts. And then and you can shoot a pig at, at 7 a.m. on Saturday morning, your hunt's done. At 100 degrees, you got to get it out of oh, there, yeah. right? And and ice doesn't last, and I don't care yeah. what uh, exactly what cooler you're running. Um, that Yeti, that little Yeti will, in 115 degrees, only holds ice for about four hours. Yeah. You know, it just it's doesn't just make too sense. Hot at yeah. That point. And you've got to, you basically have to leave and get it home. Oh, you're, you're done. You're running. But anywho, um, yeah, we got venison in the freezer. Hopefully the elk will, uh, we'll see, man. I don't need them to cooperate. I need me to cooperate. And you know what? A lot of that's been, and I'll just put, I don't care. We're talking about it, is not knowing them, right? And, and realizing the problem is not sticking to what I know. So per prime example is the bull that we saw when you were there. And instead of just spot and stalk, I wanted to start calling. So I had her start raking. There's a problem in that. That bull had no idea that we were there. The wind was in our favor. I could have went in on that bull, right? So there's these errors that are made in naivety, right? Um, because of, and I'm not blaming anyone, but because of all the information that's out there, we tend to forget about what we know and go after what we're being told. So the thing that we're strong in doesn't even get used. Yeah. I'm strong in playing the wind and spot and stalk. It's what I've always done. I haven't done that since I've been hunting elk. <laughs> Why the hell not? <laughs> Honestly, I, I think one of the most overlooked strategies nowadays is simply putting yourself in the right position, especially if the herd is moving, get in front of them and wait for them to move into a lane. Mm -hmm. um, it's an overlooked strategy, frankly, that is way more effective and everybody's gotten used to I mean, what the uh, World Elk Calling Championship just completed here either today or yesterday. I can't remember. Which. I think it's today. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what people have kind of gotten used to. And it's exciting to call a bull. Oh, man. You know, I, I, the last bull I killed with the with the bow, I called him into three yards. I was using um, a small tree for cover, a, a small uh, Douglas fir. And when I finally called him in and he committed, he came right at me and he stuck his head in the tree that I was hiding behind and bugled at me. We're talking like three yards. I mean, the distance we are right now. That's crazy. That's how close he was. And he started getting nervous. He actually backed up to about 20 yards. And, you know, like pro tip, whenever you're calling a bull in, a lot of times they're gonna to wanna to check wind. So make sure you've got a shooting lane before they can get to where your wind's going. Mm -hmm. And this one did that. He actually backed up, went to about 20 yards. He was trying to cut my wind. Cal called Thank at him when he hit my uh, shooting lane and he stopped and just zipped a broadhead right through him. That's another pro tip, right, is, is utilizing those cow calls to get them to stop and i don't know what it is but i've seen it you know on youtube and guys aren't even attempting to stop them right we're shooting on the move we're decreasing that odd of success and we're also increasing the likelihood of having a bad shot um or a in my case a day and a half of tracking to a carcass yeah. <laughs> you know with everything stripped of it it's an interesting pursuit man so that particular bull, he actually took a step forward right when I shot. Um, so I ended up actually punching uh, liver in one lung and he ended up running about 200 yards. And the way he went, I got with, I got really close to where he was at um, and he died right away. But it took me eight hours to find him. And what happened was he found a depression with uh, some new growth trees in front of him and a cliff on the other side of him. Lay down. So I kept passing by within 20 yards of him and I couldn't see him. And then finally, after about eight hours, I actually literally left, got my dad, brought my dad back in there and had two of us looking in the area trying to find him. 
And then finally, I I was like ready to give up after like eight hours, and I know this bull is here. Um, and you know, this was before having on X on my phone where I could like watch my uh -huh. track and see if there were any areas that I was missing. But I literally look over my shoulder to say something to him, and I see a tine sticking out. And that's when we finally found <laughs> him. And, and we got lucky; we didn't lose any of the meat on him. But it was, I mean, we looked. Imagine spending eight hours within a fifty square oh, yard area. I, I mean, we knew he was there. Well, that's like you know my my Wyoming tracking job. I would say we were in. It was probably larger than that, right? But we were, you know, call it a hundred square yards. And I mean, just back. I mean, we had pools of blood, you know. And it's like dropping on both sides. You could see where he stood. You could see where he laid. And that is just man. Two hours after your your stomach is turning and you're just almost sick. You know, eight hours is brutal. Yeah. Try and sleep the next that night having to go back. Oh dude, I'm yeah. yeah, it was it was getting dark, which is the only reason I was considering stopping. That's you know, rough. I was gonna be back out of it again first thing in the morning. But I mean my, my dad drove out like three hours, you know, to where I was at to come help me look for this thing. Ugh. And we were both scouring the mountainside for a long, long time. But we found it. And it's uh, actually a Euro mount that we've got over our stairs right now. Heck yeah. Nice, uh, nice five by big five by five pole. So we're talking elk. What do you got going this year? OTC this year. Um, last year we burned the points in Colorado and uh, yeah, literally burned our points. <laughs> uh, we had a we had a, a tag for a limited entry unit and uh, both the camera and peak fire and the uh, East Troublesome fire burned into our unit this year and or last year rather and uh, they closed down the unit until what was it? We had we had a couple days to hunt before it burned into the area, and then it started burning into the area, and then we had to switch from where we were at because the the stream that we were uh, that we were relying on for the elk to be around the stream dried up. All the elk we had several 350 bulls in the area, and they all moved out because the water source dried up. How did the smoke affect those couple days? The smoke was pretty bad. Like I mean, there were particles like coming down out of the sky, and it and it burned to breathe. But I mean, honestly, so long as there was water, there were there were elk. Um, the problem was the new place that I located was when the muzzleloaders were hunting mm. during archery season in, in Colorado, which pushed the elk out of this area. So, had we started hunting there, we would have been we would have been fine. But we didn't you know, we didn't know what we didn't know as right. well as the, the water drying up. So. That's a that's a rough one. Um, it, was, it definitely bad luck. Yeah, that that whole deal last year was just it was almost freakish. I mean, we didn't have any fires near us. That wind turned and started pushing south when that storm came out, came out of Wyoming, and I want to say it was, I want to say it was two days of smoke. The guys always correct me on it, whatever it was. Dude, that smoke come in and hit us, and it was unbelievable. We couldn't even move through it; it was so thick. Yeah, I mean, was, we, we actually had ash coming down on us while we were Yeah, it was rough. That that kind of was the, that was the turn of ours. We were in elk just about every day up until that point, and then what was it? that lasted for two days and then it dumped on us I and mean, we got 50, something like 15 inches over a couple of days um and just couldn't couldn't pull it back together <laughs> but, uh, this year we're going to be otc um, we have a place that's really good on opening weekend but unfortunately opening weekend i've got to be down in houston for the nra show so that one kind of sucks but uh, we'll have to find a new unit usually after that we go up to uh 18 but 18 burned in the east troublesome fire this year so we're back to scouting mode for Colorado. Yeah. That seems to be our, uh, uh, you know, our, our SOP is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, trying to find a new place and scouting it. Well, we were talking, but prior, um, I think I'm going to blow out that 
draw tag and just exchange it, you know, for that unit. So let me know. Yeah. Come down and spend a couple of days with your yeah. bow, man. We'd love to come down there. Yeah. That that area is beautiful. It's not a hard hunt until you get, you know, deep in that valley, but it's a beautiful area. There's bulls everywhere. Try to just call can't, a bull in for you. Just can't kill them. If I can't, she can. They, uh, they, they do not talk. It is the, it is, it's everything that it should not be in elk season. So, so <laughs> by they don't talk, you mean they don't bugle? They don't, yeah. They'll rake. They'll rake they'll, like a they'll SOB. Rake. The, the cast will still mute. No. I've, the in, so the, in the in the has it been two or three seasons in that unit two seasons I've heard cows calf talk once that was the year my son was there and we missed that bull the cows he was with that's the only time cows will be right up on us no chirps nothing unreal I mean just dead silent it was like the the scenario last year you know we sit down for lunch I just bugle two pops out I keep in that little holder. And what the heck, grab the reed, bugle, right? And I swear to this day that that lead cow, when she figured out, you know, something's wrong, after he bugled, that was it. It was like she told him, hey, shut up, what are you doing? Um, unbelievable. I mean, just totally quiet. And and it's funny because we'll either get there the night before season opens or the day before season opens and they're just talking like crazy. They're bugling. Last year was unreal. I mean, there's a a growler down the hill from us, and he's just going off. Opening morning from then on, I think the guy that talked back to me and two others in 23 days on that mountain. So yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why I like the dry units because they will talk more. Mm -hmm. That's also another reason why I like hunting the edge of uh, public. Um, so if you get right up on some of those bigger areas of private land and hunt the boundaries, so, you know, depending if you do your research with, uh, you know, with Onyx or base map or whatever you're using, you can find areas where they want to be up on the national forest. And the only reason they're not is because of private, private but yeah. they're still going to go back and forth. So they're, they're, they're going to hang out at nighttime and then they'll, they'll make their way back down onto private, you know, during the day and, and you know, hang out and, and relax. Uh, but you'll still find them crossing. And if you can find those crossings, a lot of times you can find bulls. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's going on in that unit we're in because there there's that there's that travel corridor man and it's busy every morning and it's just a matter there's five benches and it's just a matter of picking the right bench on any given morning and you're in them um it's have, interesting have you studied escape routes on them as well not i think what's happening well i know what happened is like last year i got held up on that area i'm seeing them and i didn't go any further southeast i should have went further southeast um, so this year, that's the, if I end up there, that's the plan is just to go directly to where I think they're going. And there is private on the end of that. Um, that, that has to be their day, their day haunt. You know, there's, there's no way it isn't because yeah. it's, it's in line with everything they're doing. Yeah. I know oftentimes it's a good strategy to, you know, hunt with two people instead of team calling, if they're not talking at all, put one person on an escape route mm -hmm. and you know, have the other person push into to where they're at. And try to get a shot and if they don't get one then when they when they move then hopefully the other person's on the right escape route and gets a, yeah, a shot on them then. it's just flipping a coin on those benches i mean what do we we got into what three or four situations that was the coolest man to have her there and to get in them and to have her see them but to, to to see the light come on you want to talk about right i mean non-hunter has never been in the woods with me Except, 
that's what we're talking about. <laughs> um, but to see the light come on and go, wow, I'm I'm slightly intrigued here was pretty freaking cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, when cool. you get face to face with a 500 pound animal, it's something else. Yeah. It's Especially when else. you get one that's talking too. You get a you get a bullet screaming at you from three feet away with, you know, wide bloodshot oh, eyes dude. and snot coming out of its nose. I can't wait. It's 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 intimidating. I mean, I still remember the first time I called a bull in. I called him in from about three hundred yards away, and uh, he was on one side of a bull. I was on the other side, and I didn't know he was there. I just let out a bugle, and I got an instant reply. And so I went ahead and dropped down into the bowl. And this guy was so hot, he had actually gone past me by the time I bugled a second time. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, so I bugled. He bugled immediately, and he started coming right back at me again. Oh, he was ready. And I found a, an opening in this dark timber in this bowl, and it was maybe about 30 yards long. And I'm sitting down on, I'm actually kneeling down on my knees at one side. Um, and I shoot right-handed, so I had the opening off to my left, knowing that I could draw it this way. And, uh, and he went ahead and... I could see the antlers just like start to come up through the, you know, as the elevation changes. Yeah. And you just see the antlers start coming up like this. And I mean, just your heart rate is just pounding in your ears. And I'm sitting there just wondering when I should be drawing. And he steps up and he finally gets his head behind a tree and he's getting ready to step out in the open. So I go ahead and draw and come at full draw. And he stops with his vitals completely covered up by the tree that his head was just behind when I drew. <laughs> and I waited and waited and waited. I, I think I probably held about a minute 20. And just as I let down, because he looked the other direction, just as soon as I let down, he steps, steps out. out. The <laughs> Every time. Yeah. they do. There's something about him. It's like the luck of nature. I don't know what to call it. That sounds stupid as all get up, but they have the luck of whatever it is riding on that rump oh, every dude. minute dude it is something else it's so, like we had the one last year where we're hunting that cliff and the wind is just always just whipping over the edge of that cliff so we right we're skirting the edge and we're working the timber skirting the edge and boom we got a we got somebody right he wants to come play we were just raking and we were watching this new growth aspen just spread as he's coming through you could just see him coming through and it's like okay, can't see him can't see him he's almost there right stand up get ready and it's going to be about a 25 30 yard frontal and as soon as that last started to break, I just felt that wind hit the back. No. I kid you not. We've hunted. We hunt that that area. We hunted three or four days last year, and then two days the year prior. I swear to you, the wind. I never felt the wind switch. That moment when he was about to break through, that wind turned on us. And then when when he was gone, I looked at my buddy, and we just started giggling. Like two schoolgirls giggling, right? And as soon as it was like done, quiet, he's gone. Where do you think the wind was going? It's back in our face. And uh, it was like, dude, this makes no sense. Yep. And all you could do in those scenarios is laugh. This, it's uh, just this this other bull. It was a small six by six, and uh, so as soon as he stepped out, of course, I just let down off a full draw. I'm literally on the knees with the bow between, you know, with the bow between my knees. I'm, you know, still ready to go, ready to draw. And he's standing over me 20 yards away, maybe 15 yards away, standing over me, staring at me, wondering what I am. I'm fully camo, but the, I'm watching my, my broadhead, right? And it's going like this with every heartbeat. <laughs> just, just bouncing up and down about an inch with every heartbeat. See, I'm a breather. Like the respirations is what is what gets me on it. Because I'll be... <sighs> so I've been in this situation before. I figured, okay, this is the time he's going to whirl and he's going to run. Okay. Okay, I'm resigned to the fact that, you know, yet again, I got close, but I, I didn't seal the deal. 
And, and for whatever reason, he's like, okay, I got to find that other bull. And he, he turns his head and he starts continuing to walk. And he, at eight yards, I spun at full draw. I had to turn almost completely around because he was walking around behind me. Spun almost completely around and he stopped broadside at eight yards. Jesus. And just center punched him. Heck yeah. I actually watched him fall. Heck yeah. I, I'm hoping that's, I can't wait. I can't, I, I just can't wait to just, just grab the freaking antlers, off. man. <laughs> it is like, oh my, I'm like sick, sick to my stomach sometimes thinking about it. The other day she goes, that sounded horrible. And we were talking about, it. I go, I just want to kill him. Oh, you know, and she goes, that sounded horrible. You know, we, we, need to, we, we need to take bets on whether or not he's going to start crying when, you know. Uh, gets- oh, no, I'm going to cry. We're not, you don't want, you're going to lose that bet. I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm going to just say it right now. I will be in tears. Man, I've worked my butt off, you know. I've worked my butt off for it. But it, oh my God, you want to talk about a kick in the. Well, it sounds, I mean, it sounded like to me that with the description you gave me that it was actually a legal bull. Dude, if you, when you read, when you read, it says four points on one side or brown tines of, of five inches or greater. A brow tine of five inches or greater. He was forked. Okay. We, we <laughs> got to check and see what the, what it describes as a brow tine. Is it the first point or is it on the lower half of the beam? Yeah, I think it does say lower half of the beam. I think half. it's specific to it. I'd have, I, you know what? I might, do I have the book? I think I have the book in the bin behind the thing. Um, he was a stud, dude. I mean, he was mass was like this. He was so white and and just humped up. It's an age class thing, right? Yeah. It was that was in my head that was a shooter bull, but I didn't. It wasn't worth the risk, yeah, right? Because it's an interpretation thing, and it, the guy could have not liked how I smelled after twenty some odd days in the woods, and said, "Nobody, you know, this is you shouldn't have done this." It's. I mean, honestly, it comes to a point where you have to say, is it worth it? And most of the time, if it's questionable, it's just not worth it. Not worth it. Not, it's not worth me losing my privilege. Yeah. You know what I mean? I value, I value the pursuit too much to lose it because I'm desperate to put my hand on some elk bone. You know, it's just not worth it. It'll never be worth that, right? And, and that haunts you in multiple states. Just for guys that question it, it haunts you everywhere now, right? Because it's across the board. If it happens in one state, I believe we're up to 36 or 37 states where it's going to affect your hunting privilege there. I believe there are actually up to 48 states in the compact huh? now. Yep, I think there's only two states that are Holy. In, the, in the wildlife violation compact. Huh. Well, and it's actually a good thing. Yeah. It, is, it really is a good thing. You can still hunt exotics and you know, do it. Do it. You can still do a lot of other hunting, but right. it's you know it's not the same as. It's just not worth it. Yeah. Right. I don't care what privilege is left. It's not worth the ability to drive to Colorado, purchase a tag, and drop in the elk woods for ten days, two weeks, a week, whatever it is. It just ain't worth it. You know. I'd rather have. I would rather have ten ten missed bulls than not have the opportunity at one because of a stupid decision or a decision that I wasn't clear on. Yeah. Just wasn't worth it. She goes, what do you mean you couldn't shoot it? <laughs> <laughs> like, she didn't understand it. Well, and I'm, and I'm sure she really wanted to be there to oh, see yeah. her excitement yeah. about yeah. it as well. Yeah. I mean, that's... It would have been amazing, but... But then after hearing all the technicalities of it, and I was like, no, I'm glad you didn't settle. If, even if you could yep. shoot it, like, yeah. 
Well, no, that would have been that. I don't care who you are. I don't care if it's a forked bull. That was a bull of a lifetime. I'll never see a bull with that many years on him being all weird like that. Yeah, that was a bull of a lifetime. He wasn't. He's probably a 12 year old bull from the sound. I would say minimum. I would be shocked just even when I relive it. Right. Thinking about how he looked, how he walked. I would be shocked that that bull made it through last year. I mean, that's where he was at, right? And he was by himself, well, qualified. There was a cow and a calf. So he was just herding up with whoever he could. That's yeah. that's where he was at in his life. Yeah, he couldn't fight anybody off. No, he, and and when, when I was moving around trying to, you know, get a lane on him and the cow saw me, she booked it yeah. and he didn't. He just did his little, you know, meander away and gave me another opportunity. And it was just like, God, I got to watch him walk away. Dude, he was... I tell you what, we were probably 50 to 60 yards when I saw him through the window and all I saw was about a foot of antler and to look through and see the mass and understand the mass that I was looking at through that window. And then that window was like, oh, this and I told her, I think I said it. This is it. <laughs> this is it. Yeah, I had to calm myself down, yeah, dude. I saw that. Oh, I saw yeah. that mass, and I was like, "Holy!" And I'm just in the corner, like, I don't want to move. Yeah, I don't want to. Exactly. Yeah, yep. I'm like, you got. I'm like, you got a rake, and she's like, <laughs> "I'm like, no, dude, make noise, make noise." Oh, he responded to that rake is. Oh, I love that. It is a beautiful thing. I mean, he just beelined. Be he heard that rake, he didn't turn and look. He beelined and just straight down in line with her. And like, what, what is raking over there? Who is over here? It was just, it was amazing and heartbreaking and everything that hunting is all in one 15 minute experience. Good, bad, the ugly. I think we walked out of the woods after that. I think that, I think we, I think I was like, all right, it's just time to go to camp right now. Well, you get that adrenaline dump after you're done. Well, it wasn't about that. It was just like the Elkwoods hate me. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could say. Huh? I said it like, yeah. I was like, the fucking Elkwoods hate me. It hates me. Like, what are the chances of this? Yeah. This thing beelines in after 20 days on the mountain and he's a freaking fork bull. <laughs> like, it doesn't even make sense. And the funny part is I had given Freddie uh, Lopez, Game Changer Freddy, yeah. I had given him a bunch of crap because he kept posting pictures about with fork bulls. And I'm like, where do fork bulls happen? And he's like, oh, dude, I was I was razzing him so bad for three months. And then the bull that I draw down on is a fork bull. I was well, like, wow. You know, you know what they say about karma? Oh, <laughs> she's a relentless, oh, man. So I got a question. I don't know what, and I don't think I've ever asked it of you. I know where the hunting started. When did the camera come into play? You know, I've been messing around with the camera since high school. Um, my dad had an old uh, Canon AE-1 film camera. And uh, so I actually started playing around with black and white film. And, um, you know, I was chasing uh, chasing elk up in Montana with, uh, you know, with this, you know, camera during the calving season. and got a, oh, you know, cool. got some pictures of some uh, some elk calves and, and some bulls where, you know, where I later got, you know, my shot at the only seven by seven I've ever gotten a shot at. I chased that damn bull for four years. Got a shot at him once. He was actually, it was a 50 yard shot. And I mean, it was a perfect scenario. It's actually kind of a, an interesting story. So this was the third year that I'd been chasing him. The first year that I found him, he fought with another bull and he snapped off the eighth point on another bull. And I actually found that oh, eighth point. 
man, I got a shot at that bolt. I actually put an arrow in that bolt. Um, but I was using uh, uh, New Archery Products uh, uh, Thunderhead, and uh, the blade actually stuck. He, he when I shot, his front leg was back, and it caught the bone, and the blade actually stuck in the bone. Oh dang! So it was right in front of the heart, but it caught the leg bone, and he actually just kicked the arrow out and ran off, and I ended up not getting that bolt. But the the big one that he was with was that seven by seven that I kept chasing, and I finally got a shot at him three years later. He and his 15 cows were bedded down in a group of cattle, like Black Angus. And I happened to have a black shirt on underneath my camel. So believe it or not, I took my Stripped camel shirt down. off. Heck yeah, good thinking. And with my bow, I started going along. And when they started noticing the movement, I started mooing at the, at the elk. <laughs> and I managed to close the distance from about 90 yards down to 50 yards, mooing at them with a black shirt on. <laughs> you do what you got to do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and I was in shade. He was in shade. But there was like this big patch of light in, in between us. And I knew I couldn't cross that. Otherwise, it'd, it'd really make me out. So when he turned broadside, finally, I came to full draw and took a shot at him. And the arrow's going perfect. And then the fletching hits that, uh, that beam of sunlight in between. And I literally watched his chest as he whirls out of the way, the arrow just passing by his chest as he whirls out of the way. I've never seen an elk twirl Ooh, out of the like way that. like a whitetail. And this is the only bull I've ever seen do this. Normally they, they drop about six inches and lurch forward. This bull actually whirled out of the way of the arrow. I've never seen it before. Never, never seen, seen it, it again. <laughs> but this damn seven by seven that I've been chasing for three years, he did it. And then finally, the fourth year, the last year I got a chance at this bull, he had 60 cows with him, and I got between him and his cows. Perfect opportunity. He was raking on a tree. I was in the dark timber, and I got between him and 60 cows. And I waited and waited and waited. I was there for two hours. <laughs> and the cows had all bedded down. He was over by this tree just gently raking. There weren't any satellites around. Wind was perfect. And I was waiting. I had a shooting lane between him and the cows. And he was going to get up and he was going to go over to where the cows were at. And I was going to get my shot. And I waited and waited and waited, had the perfect spot. Lead cow gets up from being bedded, walks over towards him in my shooting lane. And cow calls at him. And he stops raking and he looks over at her. And he goes back to raking again. And she cow calls louder and more insistently. And he stops raking and he looks over at her. And this is early rut, mind you. You know, none of the, none of the cows are coming into Astrid. He looks over at her looks back at the tree, looks at her, walks off the other direction. It's you have like, nothing for me. That's crazy. <laughs> You've got nothing for me. He literally walked off the other direction, left his 60 gallons alone. He's like, there's not a satellite here that can take me. I'll, I'll deal with you girls later. Okay, I'm going to give you some S because you've been, you razzed me. So, so it sounds like you are in the elk and can't kill them. I'm just not really in the elk and can't kill them. <laughs> well, well, this was in Mon this was, so this was in Montana in places where, I mean, I had killed, I had killed bulls back to back years. Uh, one, one year, a six by six, then a five by five. And I had other bulls like the seven by seven that were monsters that I was chasing. But since I've moved to Colorado, I've had a lot harder time finding the new units because of the amount of hunting pressure. Right. Montana, it's a lot different. You go to a trailhead. Sometimes you're the only person there. Here in Colorado, you go to a trailhead, and sometimes I've had 15 campers in the same trailhead area. It's like, okay, well, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? I'm just not used to it. So I haven't found that 
I haven't found that area that other people haven't found, except for the OT, or I'm sorry, the draw units. Right. Which I, I've gotten into elk in the draw units, but I got, like I said before, I got messed up this last year with fires and drought. Yeah, that that was a, that was an interesting year, man. You know what's funny is you say that, you know, all the campers, um, that unit that I've been hunting, and one of the things I noticed on the, that first mile, when you come off of that divide road, that first mile is loaded, loaded with guys. And there's no thought process as to where we're plopping a camp, right? And and that was one of the things I noticed hunting that area. I don't want to give too much of it away, but there was, there's a, a travel corridor. Guys are putting camps like in the middle of where these elk are traveling and they're just dis- disrupting. And it's like, guys, look around you like before you do you can't just plop anywhere yep. right look around you and figure out what's going on before you plop they disrupted they were there for three days three or four days they disrupted those elk for a good week on us and as soon as they were gone two days later they were back to their movement pattern and i, I don't know what made me think of that i just want to say it like you have to pay attention where you're setting up the base camp oh, right? yeah. all that matters if you if your you think you're in there yeah, I mean, even even lighting that fire, would, and that was another thing, is we weren't supposed to have fires last year, and guys were lighting fires, and it's like, dude, you're up on the top of the slope. You know that they were hunting down here, or you're hunting down there. What do you think? They're going to smell all that and just hang out? It's, I don't know. Anywho, I digress. Um, I was just curious, man, where the, where the camera came into play. So did you have, were you in the dark room doing that whole thing, developing yeah. your own and everything? That's a, actually a, a pretty cool aspect of photography that that isn't around anymore with the digital, with the digital stuff. Yeah, getting the getting the film, doing the dark room. Um, I actually took a couple of college classes as well. Um, didn't necessarily learn anything that I didn't already know, but it mm-hmm. was it was interesting to immerse yourself in with other photographers who are you know doing film and they're going into the dark room and you're you know you're cropping using you know using film. And actually, like, you know, developing your own images. And, like, I've still got my portfolio from back in college. And it's kind of interesting to look at, you know, where I was versus where I've gone. I actually wanted to be a professional wildlife photographer. I had actually started uh, developing a a book of slides that were, you know, some of my better images on actual slide film. Mm -hmm. No, I remember it. People are like, what the hell is that? What the hell is that? Yeah, 35 millimeter. And you're like, hold it up to the light, (laughs) like, stare at the little tiny image, and it's like super crisp. But, um, yeah, I actually started a portfolio of that, and I was getting ready to start submitting them. And then, like, the whole digital revolution was happening right as I was graduating college and needing to get, you know, new equipment to, quote-unquote, go pro. Right, keep and, up with it. And- yeah, and so, you know, here I am kind of stuck between the film world that's going away and the digital world that's not quite there yet. And so instead of doing that, I end up doing 20 years in information technology. Mm-hmm. So what uh, – do you see a difference in it? I mean – I, I love film, right? And I know there's filters and things that you could put on it, but I love like looking back, like I'll go to mom's and she'll have, you know, a photo album and there'll be a couple of, you know, those single negatives of that really good picture for whatever reason, it was that picture they decided to hold on to. And, you know, maybe that was the slide things were big back, you know, who knows in the seventies, eighties. Um, do you see a difference in the pictures and, and how you approach the pictures between film and digital? Um, I think probably the biggest difference is it's kind of like the difference between somebody using an M16 and somebody, you know, who's got a sniper rifle. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you've got when you're using film. So, you you know, you've got, say, 32 shots in in a film roll. You don't know necessarily how it turned out. You make sure that every shot counts. Gotcha. Whereas when you've got digital, I mean, you know, you're taking 20 frames a second. Right. With some of these newer cameras. I mean, you're literally taking a couple hundred shots 
and saying, okay, this is the best one of the group. Um, it's just a completely different mindset. But I think the development has gone from the darkroom to the computer. And I don't think it's actually a bad thing. I think there's some fantastic um, editing that happens in the, you know, on the computer that would be akin to what used to happen in the darkroom. Mm -hmm. um, you take, you know, somebody like, uh, you know, uh, uh, creek bed photography and you look at, I mean, you can actually pick out people's style. You know, if I see, oh, yeah. you know, if I see an image by Jason Loftus or I see an image by, uh, you know, creek bed, I know it's them. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't have to see the name on it. I can tell just from the editing style that they've done and the camera that they use. Right. Um, you know, a, a Canon camera has a different color profile than a Sony or a Nikon does. And if you've been doing this long enough, you can actually pick out the camera uh, manufacturer that made the image, even with the editing that's been going on in the background. That's crazy. Yeah, that I won't even try and figure that one out. I have enough time just getting through the menu. Well, I don't know, man. Those those mirrorless, the menus on those things are, they're crazy. Yeah, but once you get it set up, you don't have a mess. Well, that's exactly what I did. I went through and, and sat down and just started playing with it and then watching YouTube videos and just trying to find that that spot that I want to be in for what I want to do, you know? And that's my goal this year is, is to actually film, is to actually film the hunts. And that's been hard, man. Oh, that's, that's real hard. I mean, I, I know you had uh, Christy out there with you for a yeah. little bit to do. That was all photography stuff yeah. though. Um, but it's, I, I filmed a couple, well, Allie and I have filmed a couple of hunts now. And, um, we did one, uh, a couple of years ago now where, um, for a show on the Discovery Channel called The Experience, mm -hmm. where we got uh, uh, American Sniper, uh, Chris Kyle's brother out there along with some other folks. Oh, yeah, you were telling me about yeah. that. Yeah, and uh, they, have, they haven't aired the show yet. I'm not sure what's going on with the filming end of things, but uh, we had filmed the, the hunt for them and they got four bulls over a couple of days. And uh, we were just on the just on film and photography, um, you know, with me doing the video and, and her doing the stills. And that's, man, it's, a, it's really something different to be able to focus on just doing the the camera work and the video work, it's a completely different world because you're you're immen uh, immersed in what's going on in the camera rather than what's going on in the hunt, mm -hmm. and it takes away a lot from the hunt, which is why I think a lot of people don't self film hunts because it takes away from the experience. Yeah, you're so focused on trying to get, um, you know, capture the images in the video that you're not focused on the hunting, and it's real hard to do it. Complete respect for the the few folks that can really pull it that off. That do it good, and that's been one of the things that I've you know struggled with is because that thing is always in the pack, but it's just like I ain't kill the bull, like you know what I mean. Like I don't want to detract from it, but I really would love to get it. But it's just you know what I mean. When you weigh it, it's less important to get it on film, you know. And I think that's why if you tag team it, you can have your caller filming for you, mm -hmm. and then they can focus on the camera and the and the calls. And have the other person focus on the elk and the hunt, and then you swap off back and forth right. you know, every other day, kind of like, uh, um, you know, kind of like the elk 101 guys, uh, Corey and Corey and Donnie mm -hmm. uh, and John. Go back and forth on yeah. that's actually a good idea. The problem is, is finding the guy that can take the time I can take. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you are back there a little bit. That's 23 days last year. I went back. Well, it was 23 days total. Okay. Yeah, it was 23 days total. And right. I mean, kudos to your wife. You're still married. Yeah. I try and put it in. Yeah. I mean, really, I didn't. I haven't been always like that. When when I've told her. Yeah. I told her when, when our boy stops playing football or he goes to college, it's on. And, and literally, he stopped playing football that year. It was on. <laughs> you know. I mean, I miss him. 
Yeah. But, um, he's doing worse things. Chasing the proper kind of tail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, no, it's, it, it is really nice to have that understanding and, you know, being able to do it. I don't take it for granted. That's for sure. You know, yeah, I mean, if we could, Allie'd want to be out there, you know, 23 days with me, mm-hmm. um, you know, with between her treatments and, you know, and everything else that we, we still have kids in the house. We've still got, uh, you know, our youngest is going into our junior year this year. So we're, we're getting close to that. Yeah. Oh man. I'd say, well, I don't like to say it. I feel like uh, people judge me if I because I'm always gloating about being an empty nester. <laughs> I think hey, I get hey, judged. Hey, you earned that. <laughs> yeah, we've been raising kids half our lives. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It is freaking amazing. I don't care. I mean, look at us now, right? We got a dog sitter, and we're here, and we can, you know, we just roll up and let's go, and and you can do that on the drop of a dime, like as long as our dog sitter. Yeah, dog sitters available. We're out. Yep. It's so nice, man. I mean, not the, you know, we love our kids, but yeah, it's you'll love and it. And I mean, part of the part of the fun thing is being able to watch them, you know, having grown up. Live oh their yeah, own life as yeah, well. especially when they're on the right path and they're not, you know, a hole kids. You know, it makes it easier because you're not worried and stressed, and you know, what's going to happen, you know, tomorrow or tonight, or you know what I mean. Yeah. It's uh well you don't know what I mean but you will know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is it is something else. I love it. I love it. And now we only got about thirty some odd days, and then we'll you know see if she's looking at me with those eyes. Elk season starts. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you had you had to ask. <laughs> he keeps track of that stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's the twenty third of July. Just a little bit more. Five five weeks. That is, uh, that's amazing. God, I can't believe it's five weeks out, dude. I gotta shoot. My, I gotta shoot my bow more. You know, I I'm I'm never in the position I'm in right now, and I'm a blame Aerotech. Usually, I'm dialed and I'm shooting broadheads. I shoot the Aerotech arrows, and I have to revamp my entire setup, right? So that means recite my bow in both bows, right? And it's like, oh man, so I'm behind the curve. That bow, that tape is not even the tape for those arrows. Okay, so I'm, I'm taking a look here. I'm seeing a cutter stabilizer. I'm seeing, uh, obviously, the Aerotech arrows. Uh, we've got a QAD rest. Yep. Uh, what sight are we running on? That is the Black Eagle Pro. That sight is awesome. And a prime bow. Yes, sir. Which, which one is that one? That one is the Nexus 2. So this is my elk setup, this 80-pound Nexus 2. Because I, I know you hate talking about gear, but, you know, I brought it up, so. <laughs> I, uh, I wanted, you know, after the last couple of years and all the miles, I wanted something a little more compact. I usually like a longer A to A. So I went with the 32 A to A, and then I built it on weight. I wanted a light bow, a lighter bow, right? Um, so that was really why I built it that way. But, man, I'm loving that thing. Now, how did you get the quiver to sit at an angle like that? That's how they're designed. So you just angle the bracket that that you screw in. Okay. Yeah. So it gives you a little bit of that offset. I kind of like that actually, because yeah, a lot of times you're, you know, if you've got long arrows like I do, because I've got a thirty and a half inch draw length, so I've got you know, 30, at least thirty one inch arrows uh, to to clear the the rest. A lot of times they'll be sticking down below, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where the cam is, and they'll actually stick down in the dirt, which. 
if you've ever tried to knock an arrow that's got a twig stuck in, oh, the, in the knock, it's not a good thing. No. So I kind of like this angled setup. I wish they offered a little bit more angle on that bracket. Because I use mine to offset and give me a little back weight. Have you ever thought about the option uh, option archery quiver? The the one that sticks like straight out like a, like a stabilizer? I won't run it. No? No. I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm a creature of habit and having that weight on the side um, is just something I'm used to. And I and I honestly think that it would screw me up. We, on at the Purgatory um, event for math, I pulled off my quiver and I tried to shoot and it just, dude, it was like, I never sighted my bow in. Yeah. I was left, 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 and it was crazy. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, I, you get used to it pulling a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so it's it it would be too much for me to change it up, and I like to be able to you know put the bow together, side her in, and roll. Well, I mean that setup looks like it could kill an elk. It could. Let's see, <laughs> we'll see what the guy behind it does. We will see. It's set up for it. It is definitely set up for it. That sucker shooting two hundred and seventy-three feet a second at. Uh, well, those are a little bit on the little bit lighter than my initial build, so those are at 200 or excuse me, 547 grain at about 14.6 percent FOC. Using any outserts or uh, just a half out? What I did is I I wanted a little bit higher FOC, so I used the Black Eagle, um, the Rampage uh, half out is that 55 grain to get a little more up front. The ones that Aerotech offers are like around 21 grain. Yeah. So I just wanted a little bit more up front. So I put that black eagle stainless in there, and then I don't I don't really like aluminum components. Um, I just don't I just don't like so I don't believe in the soft metal out front. Yeah. Um, just trying to take away a failure point, but yeah, I've got the iron well inserts and outserts, the steel ones on the front with mm -hmm. uh, with 25 grain outserts and 125 grain uh, uh, iron well solids uh, with the bleeders on them. Yeah, that is it single bevel. Or did uh, you no, go I've with got, the SBs? I've got, I've got the double the doubles, double. but yeah, I got them before the single came out. Yeah. I did get them uh, in, engraved with a good bowl on the back. Oh, did you? Thing. Yeah, it looks sweet. Yeah. So when it's sticking in a tree with no blood on it, I'll know who sent it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I I draw 72 pounds, so it'll probably, you know, go so far into the into the tree that you, you won't, won't even know. Out. So, yeah, I think I'm safe there. Heck, yeah. Yeah, those, uh, I don't know, man. We'll see. Elk, elk is something else. It's a heck of a pursuit, man. Yeah, we'll have to see how the season goes. I'll tell you what, we're going to give it everything we got. That's the one thing about it. Like, I could laugh about it, and sometimes I'll get down on myself, but it's like, did I give, did I give what I had to give on the mountain? And as long as I can say yes to that, I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. I don't like tag soup, but... It is what it is. You know, it, it's so much mental. It, I mean, honestly, the, the physical, you can you can push yourself beyond mm. what you're you know, physically capable of doing. Right. If you're mentally tough enough. Yeah. And I mean, not to the point of hurting yourself, but, um, you know, with the smoke, as bad as it was, that, that very last hunt that I did, it was literally like raining down ash on me. And I still did 10 miles and did 4,000 vertical feet. Yeah, I mean, I was spent because there was no oxygen. We're talking about, you know, 9,500 feet elevation. Yeah. And I'm doing 10 miles with, you know, literal ash coming down out of the air and I'm breathing this stuff. Oh, dude, in. that was, that was horrible, horrible, horrible. I and mean, we, we were hunting in it and it was like, we'd stop every few hundred yards just to kind of catch the breath and, yeah. and ew, the, the freaking, uh, 
soot boogers <laughs> for like three days. I got video. I couldn't even use the video. I was like, look at my, look inside my nose. And it was just, it was smoke. There was still a little remnant and it was, you could see all the ash still on us. And it was just, oh man. Well, you know, no face paint required then. <laughs> yeah, no, I got to have my face paint, man. That's my, that's like my game face. Everybody gives me guff about it. I yeah. love my face paint, man. It's uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Like I've always done it. You, you have your wife, uh, you know, if she's there, take, take care of it. Yeah. I, I had her putting it on. Yeah. I think I did. I put it on <laughs> for you. It on yeah, because it, it can't. It had to be. It had to be a certain. <laughs> it had to be a certain way. Yeah, yeah. I do it the same way every single time. I know. I could. That was yeah. exactly it, dude. <laughs> that was exactly it. Same time. It's been that way forever. Well, you know, you got to do that that way when it's dark out at you know three in the morning. You like, you know, you got the pattern. Oh, down, dude, right? I'm telling it's you, just muscle memory at that point. It's all it is. It's the funniest thing. I'm I'm weird with it though. I got all these little, like habitual things that I it's do. Like yeah, it's funny. I can't wait, man. I cannot wait. It got me like itching now. It was funny. We were driving, and I'm like, how the hell? In, in a month and a half, if I drove this much country in the states that I've been in going to the map shoots and I ain't seen a single damn elk. I'm like, I'm hoping that's not a precursor to my season. <laughs> I, I told you, come up, yeah. visit us. We've, we've got a spare bedroom. Come on up, we will get you into elk. Yeah, let's do it. I, I mean, you need to see a 400 inch bull of velvet. Yeah. You, you need oh to. Oh my God. Let's do it. Map it out. That's my, my planner. Only thing I do not, or she does not plan is elk season. Yeah. Everything else. Funny how that works. Yeah. yeah. Everything like, else. That, is that's in, willing to, you know, he's willing to put in the effort to take care of the elk oh, season yeah. schedule. Yeah. Everything else. He's, she's on it. And that's the pot calling the kettle black. Uh-huh. <laughs> do you have any final words? Yes. Yeah. You just joined back up. I'm sorry. I missed most of it. <laughs> <laughs> She's she's taking care of the dog and uh, elk. about how he's he's willing to schedule elk season, but she schedules everything else. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm not alone in it. It's just like it's like somehow that's permission. Permission for what? To keep doing it. We were saying that we need to get our people to, to talk to each other to, to schedule them coming up to visit. Yeah. Yeah, we got to do that. I think she would love Estes too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, shoot, man. Let's wrap it. I appreciate it. It won't be the last one. I'm, no. How many have we done? We've done three, three or four, huh? Yeah, there's three. three. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, we've talked a little bit yeah. more. And... Yeah, I mean, we did a couple lives. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's been a minute. No, it's been, it's been good. It's been fun following you guys and building a friendship. And, yeah. you know, I've been digging it. So yes. I appreciate you guys. That's one, been one of the really cool things about social media is, you know, getting to know people and having friendships. And it's like, I mean, we sit down here and we, we have a conversation with you in person. It's like we've been doing this for years. But, we, we have. <laughs> but, but, I mean, like, but I mean, like, you know, you sit down and here we are in person for the first time. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, we're we're already friends. We, yeah. we didn't have to meet each other in person to, yeah. to be friends and know that we have this mutual passion for hunting and yeah. and, uh, and the outdoors. And, and photography. I and just photography. don't do it. 
<laughs> I had an online dating relationship a long time before him being There you go. Cool. All right, guys. I appreciate it. And we'll, uh, yeah, we'll be seeing around math here. Thank you for listening. Follow Western Contours on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, and sign up at westerncontours.com. Episodes are available on most major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.